So the big idea here is that hypocrisy leads to death or destruction. So background of the Gospel of Mark, but just we have a reminder. The Gospel of Mark is written by the disciple Mark, and he's writing basically to predominantly Gentile church who are under persecution by Caesar Nero, who is a tyrant, uh, a wicked ruler. What I would add is throughout the gospel, we see that Jesus is constantly confronted by religious leaders, such as the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. Last sermon that I preached, which was from Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 34, we see that Jesus had one conversation with a scribe who asked him, what is the greatest commandment? Before, before we dive into the passage, let us examine what is a scribe. So scribes were men who studied the law thoroughly. They were not priests, but they sought to, they sought to stick up, for lack of better words, for the law. That so persons wouldn't deviate from the law. Initially, the priests were the persons who studied the law thoroughly. The difference between the priests and the scribes were that the priests, they partook in the ceremonial um, commands that was given by God. So at the beginning of verse 35, Jesus intentionally points out an important flaw in the views of the scribes that they had towards the Christ. How can the scribes, remember, those who study the law, say that Christ is the son of David. So if we examine the Bible on a whole, we would understand that Christ, or the Christ, was a descendant of David. If we look at the if we look at the Synoptic Gospels and look at the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, there we see genealogies from Abraham, which passed through David, and then leads to the Christ. So, Jesus is who is the Christ. He was prophesied years prior to his incarnation. So, Christ is not Jesus' last name, but the Christ means the Messiah. So, when we see Jesus, the Christ, we should think of it as Jesus, the Messiah, or better yet, Jesus, the Savior. So throughout the Old Testament, you see promise the Old Testament, you see promises of a king, a good king who will rule, who will come through the line of David. So in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, we read of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time forth. And forevermore. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 55. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king, and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Therefore, we see that the scribes were... They, they understood that the Christ would come through the lineage 
of David, so to speak. But where they went wrong was believing that Christ, the Christ would be merely a king like David and not David's Lord and Savior. For even David understood that the Christ was his Lord. As Jesus records, the Lord said to my Lord, and he called that, he, he spoke from that from Psalm chapter 110, verse 1. So David saw, though dimly, that Christ was Lord, although the Christ would come through his lineage. He had a right view of the Messiah and understood his authority was supreme in comparisons to David. So if we think about it naturally, and we think about one of the most prominent queens in the world, we will think of Queen Elizabeth. And Queen Elizabeth, she would never say that Prince Edwards or Prince Charles, that they were her lords. They are her children and her authority surpasses their due to the fact that she has been born before them. Unlike natural lineage, which usually creates hierarchy, David called the Christ Lord because David knew the Messiah's reign was vastly supreme to his. The Christ could only be rightly addressed as Lord. Yet, even though the scribes examined the law, they missed Christ and they missed his supremacy. We should be weary in calling ourselves New Testament believers or New Testament boys or girls. This is quite misleading and by doing this we miss the richness of the Old Testament. Within the Old Testament we see many shadows and types of Christ. Even Jesus in John chapter 5 verse 39 he stated that the Jews did search the scriptures thinking in them they have eternal life. But the scriptures were about him or were about Jesus. When Jesus made these statements, he made these statements referencing not the 66 books, but the manuscripts from the Old Testament. The Old Testament points towards Jesus as the Messiah and that salvation would come through him alone. After all the genealogies in Matthew chapter 1, we see that Jesus entered into the world through flesh and his name should be known as Emmanuel or God is with us. Understanding who Jesus is is why David rightly referred to him as Lord. So this should see, be how the scribes saw Christ. For even Peter in Mark chapter 8 verse 29, after observing Jesus and the things that he said, understood that he was the Christ. The scribes and other religious leaders who were experts of the law could have seen that Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies by actually examining the law. They could have seen that he was from the line of David by looking at his, his four appearance. And they could have heard what he has stated about himself, for they were always there with him and in the crowds listening to him. Yet, they missed it. And like many persons who live in today's world in the 21st century, they miss the fact that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Savior. Believing that Jesus is who he says he is, is crucial towards our salvation. If we don't believe that Jesus is Lord or Savior, we are not saved or we are not Christians. 
Many persons see Jesus as merely a good teacher, a good teacher, those who are from a secular worldview. Muslims see Jesus as a prophet. Jehovah Witness see Jesus as merely a demigod. Yet, if we have a wrong view of Jesus, we are not saved. For Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 24, when he was speaking to the Jews, that you would die in your sins if you don't believe that I am. And if we look back at the Old Testament from Exodus chapter 3, we would see the fact that Moses, when, that God said to Moses when he spoke to him through the burning bush that he is the I am. We don't see Christ for two reasons. One is secondary, but one is primary. So I'll give the secondary reason first. The secondary reason is that we don't see Christ because the God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. As 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 states. So whether true wisdom, riches, or even good gifts that God has given, like Satan uses these things to take our focus off of God and keep our focus on these things. Yet, as 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 states, it doesn't say that Satan made them unbelievers, but that they were unbelievers. So unbelievers are naturally in rebellion, a rebellion against the Lord because of sin, and sin is Lord of their lives. To follow the Lord that is in opposition to our sin before a change of heart is impossible. Therefore, we prefer to be irrational rather than to listen to the claims of Christ and logically come to a right conclusion. This is why the scribes couldn't see the fullness of Christ or practice true religion. And this is why many of those who are clearly outside of faith remain blind to the truth and deaf to the gospel call. We all have some idea what we should do, but we love darkness rather than light. But this might not be this might not be a professing believer. They might believe themselves safe. Unlike the, the scribes or the Jehovah Witness or the Muslims, they might have actually a right doctrine of Christ. They might understand that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He is the second person in the Godhead. Yet condemnation can still be upon them. See, the scribes prided themselves in being persons who had knowledge and thought that themselves great value to the people. As Matthew Henry puts it, it appeared as though they were intimate with heaven, yet their hearts and their minds were far from God or the glory of God. Before the eyes of the Lord, hypocrisy is a fool's work. Professing believer, the Lord sees your heart and he sees all its intents. As Genesis chapter 6 states, To be in the public's eye as godly, yet have a heart that is far from God, is worthless and a waste of time, because God actually sees the heart. So, being a hypocrite might look like 
believing that Jesus is your savior, but not believing that Jesus is your Lord. So you don't actually obey anything from scripture. Or it can look like doing works in the public, for the public, like for persons to see you, but yet these same works in private, you don't do, such as prayer. Is short glory from men worth it in comparison to doing the works for God, for his glory? The answer would be no. To the unbeliever or the professing believer who knows that their heart is far from God, the gospel is for sinners. And you probably heard this before, heard that the gospel is for sinners. But do you actually believe that the gospel is for sinners? Most persons in countries that are you know, filled with Bibles, they have access to Christianity, don't actually believe that they are sinners. They believe that the raper is sinner. The person who has murdered that person is a sinner. They make mistakes, they, they, they make mistakes, but these persons, they are the evil, wicked persons in the world. And few churches today would even point out the fact that mankind is actually evil or call themselves wicked. That is seen as harsh and rude and not something nice to say towards people. Yet, the Bible clearly points out from Jeremiah that the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. It points out that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And just to be a bit more repetitive, this all doesn't mean all persons except you. This all, per all here refers to you. So, like the scribes, we overlook the Messiah or just become hypocrites about our condition. We aren't that bad. Or, like the rich young ruler, we believe that we have kept the law well from our youth because we have this kind of superficial view of the law and God's holiness. Yet, this is a false footing to stand upon. Unbeliever, run towards Christ. The gospel is for sinners. As Jesus said in verse 40, condemnation is actually upon you. Yet for all those in Christ, there is no condemnation. Jesus, who was outwardly and inwardly perfect, died on the cross. Yet he rose from the grave and intercedes on the behalf of anyone who would come in faith. This is why the gospel is for sinners, because it is, for good, it is good news for those who have broken God's law. Don't miss Jesus as a savior or undermine the way of your sin, but become a believer. So thus far we have looked at the professing unbeliever and the professing believer whose heart is far from God, who is an unbeliever. And we have seen the hypocrisy because they have an idea of what they ought to do, but they don't do it. Yet, even within this passage, there is a word or a warning for believers. All hypocrisy doesn't necessarily lead to death, but it can be quite destructive for the Christian life. So, 
to the to the real Christian, the Christian who has been born again, who has been walking with the Lord for years, who understand proper biblical theology and hold a proper biblical worldview, you still sin. Yet, there are many times where we try to hide our sin from those persons at our local church who God has placed us with, and we try to hide our sin from God, thinking, what will they think of me if they knew my sin struggles? How will they view me if they knew that I still struggle with pornography or lust? Or if they know that I, I swore or I was rude and disobedient to my parents? Members of our local church are the persons God has placed us with to aid in our sanctification. It is a blessing to be able to confess your sins one to another. It is a blessing to be rebuked by a brother or sister. And it's also a blessing to be corrected in love. This is one of the reasons why Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, we are told not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, some but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Meaningful and open conversation that is helpful for your souls can happen when the saints gather together. Hypocrisy might not look like you acting as though you're saved when you're not, but can look like you seeking to mislead persons about the current condition of your walk with Christ. One of the goals of being a member of a local church is your sanctification and God's glory and not the portrayal of a man or a woman who looks outwardly as though they're striving and walking with Christ well, but inwardly they are struggling poorly and struggling alone. Believer, confess your sins one to another as James tells us. James chapter 5 verse 16 Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And confess your sins also to God, as 1 John chapter 1, 9 states. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Unlike the scribes who had outwardly portrayed themselves as godly, understand that you are weak and the Messiah is strong. That you aren't able to save yourself, but Christ is able to save you. That you aren't able to atone from your sins, atone for your sins, but Jesus is the one who atones for your sins. All your sins are bare before the Lord, and God really sees the outward and the inward appearance of men. Yet, that Jesus' atonement is sufficient enough to pay for those sins that you committed even after you initially believe. That we all struggle with sin, therefore there's no need to portray yourself better than you actually are. This works only towards your disadvantage. Therefore, we do not need to walk around with a false portrayal of godliness as the scribes did, especially among brothers and sisters in the faith. Let us always remember that the gospel, for one, is for sinners. Yet, yet the gospel is for sinners. Jesus eats with sinners who are outside of himself, but he also still eats with sinners who are in him. 
Jesus has union with you, even though none of your sins are hidden before him. His church is one of the agents that aids in our sanctification.